No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Alright, let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today, so that I can speak it, and understand it, and do it, and see it change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, you are the center of the universe. And um, what I want to speak to you today, uh, what I want to speak to you about today is that unless you've, cl- unless you've quit, you haven't lost yet. Tell the person next to you, unless you've quit, you haven't lost yet. Say to them, now I'm serious, unless you've quit, you haven't lost yet. And um, I don't, I'm not going to recap last week's word because um, I found out something today that was quite distressing. And it's basically the story of a family um, towards Pretoria side where a crowd came and they decided this guy's a foreigner and they went in, they beat him up inside his shack pulled him out, set him on fire, and he died. And I heard this today from a sermon from Pastor Bert, and I wanted to share with you what he shared about that, because that is a tremendous problem in our nation. And I want to tell you that if you're not doing something about that, then there's a problem. Because if you think that things like that can go on, and that you're not going to be affected, then, uh, well, first of all, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. And secondly, you're in a situation whereby... Somewhere along the line, that's going to come to your house. Tell the person next to you, somewhere that'll come to your house. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 24 to 29, we actually see that God speaking to Ezekiel the prophet is actually warning the people of Israel about exactly this kind of thing. And um, God says to the prophet, Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. Okay, so it's God saying, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will be like a polluted land, a land without rain. So, the Lord's not happy with some things. And then it says in verse 25, your princes plot conspiracies, just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. Sorry, extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. So in other words, people are being killed. People are being murdered. And then it says, Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath days and so I'm dishonored among them. And I want you to realize you are part of a royal priesthood. In other words, you are the priests of South Africa according to the New Testament. 
you are a holy people. And you are responsible for what the people of the nation are doing. And in this instance, this guy was killed because he's a foreigner. And I want to tell you that we can carry on with that kind of attitude. First of all, the people you should blame for all the people who came in illegally are the government. And I don't see anyone going and killing them. Well, you can try, but I don't think you're going to get near the president. And the thing is, at the end of the day, if we're doing this to people, then first of all, we're putting the blame in the wrong place. We have politicians that want to close down the church and lock down the church and have done everything in their power to destroy the church. And we're okay with their policies that bring in things like abortion, where we kill the unborn, that want to bring in comprehensive sexuality education, and I haven't heard anyone in our church complain about it. Where they, teach, they want to teach your children, listen, you decide whether you're a boy or a girl when you're old enough. And all sorts of other horrendous things. And to teach kids that is child abuse. But no one's worried about that. And I don't see, except for maybe the foreigners, I don't see too many South Africans that are too perturbed about this. But God is perturbed. God is perturbed with what we're doing with the voices of the voiceless. Because they don't have a voice, therefore we are their voice. And then it says this in verse 27. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. Isn't that South Africa? But we vote our leaders. You see, our leaders, and I'm talking now to South Africans, we vote for our leaders. Even if you haven't registered to vote, you still voted for them. We vote leaders into power, and we do not care what their policies are in relation to the Bible. So we vote EFF when EFF has all sorts of evil, evil, evil policies. They're ungodly, but we vote for them. Why? Because we want the land. Or we vote for the DA because we're white. Or as has happened many times, we vote for the ANC because we're black. And if you vote for the DA, apartheid's coming back. And we come with such shallow standards. But we do not look at what any of the parties and, and I, I, those are the three big ones. So we can talk about all of them. We do not look at their policies and compare them to the Bible. And then as a result of the policies, things are happening where a breadwinner, and Pastor Bird spoke about this, and it really hit me. He spoke about it today. It really hit me. This was the breadwinner, a wife, seven dependents. The only income bringer in that home brought beaten in his place ripped out of the place doused with petrol set on fire and killed and now there's a family that has no income and how often does that not happen in south africa how often are people not killed because of the color of their skin and yet we want to complain only when the color is our color what about when it's someone else's color what about when it's someone else's nationality what do you think God thinks? And the fact that we're not, as a nation, horrified by this. And then he goes on and says, And your prophets cover for them 
by announcing false visions and making lying, lying predictions. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. And no, we don't, we don't speak to the politicians because we want to be too politically correct. But people are dying. Now, he then says this. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. And then listen to this. Even common people oppress the poor. So now we're not even talking about the leaders. We're talking about the people. Even common people oppress the poor. Then you say, oh, but I'm poor. No, no. Before you say you're poor, go and look at some other parts of Africa. Many of them will have a very, very different perspective on poor than what South Africans do or even foreigners living in South Africa often do. People in this country, as far as this continent goes, by and large are rich. And that's including the guys in the shack. I mean, we've got guys living in shacks in this country that drive cars. They're just down the road here where these shacks are. You know where that guys, they, they set up real estate on the railway line? There's cars, there's guys driving there with cars. So even the shack dwellers in this country drive cars. And the common people oppress the poor and rob the needy. And let me tell you, what Pastor Bert said about this, all you need to do to rob is to be a taker instead of being a giver, instead of being generous. And by and large, we're a nation of thieves. I know we don't like to hear what we really are, but the thing is, unless you hear what we really are, then you're never going to even know why you need a Savior, why you need Jesus. And people don't think we need Jesus because they're not looking at what the Bible says about nations that do what we're doing. And then it says, and deprive foreigners of justice. You know, I don't know, I know we've got some people here that, that have got these struggles, but I don't know if South Africans know how terribly foreigners are treated at home affairs. It isn't, and, and I'm talking about foreigners who were born here. Foreigners who are brought here often, and what often happens is foreigners are brought here as little children, and then they're abandoned. And, and, and then the home affairs makes it even worse, and terrorizes them. The two greatest injustices happening in our nation at the moment are what's happening in home affairs with foreigners, and what's happening to the unborn. Yet people complain about all sorts of other things. Now, what Pastor Bird said, and I want to quote him, we need law and order. So immigration law, our borders should be secure. People shouldn't just be able to come in. They shouldn't be able to pay 50 bucks or buy a Coke for someone and get across the border. That shouldn't be able to happen. There, there should be law and order that people come in in a legal manner and an orderly manner and a manner that follows the law. But on the other hand, killing people because of who they are, because of leaders that you voted into power. Do we really believe that we're going to have a blessed nation when we're doing this? So quoting him direct, Pastor Bert, that is, if you look at the issue, 
this issue of foreigners, if you look at the issue of abortion, I'm telling you God's not pleased. We need law and order. We do. And people are crying out because there isn't law and order. And then they take matters in their own hands. And then people get killed like this and we wipe out a breadwinner. But we also need grace and mercy. And then the politicians are fighting with each other about this. And we need to find the right place between the two where we've got law and order and grace and mercy. Being anti-foreigner is not biblical. But at the same time, being anti-law and order is not biblical. And what I want you to realize as you sit here today is that when you start looking at the issues that are going on and you start listening to what different people are saying, you better get to the place where we realize we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And the church needs to stand in the gap. This is what God was telling Ezekiel. The church needs to stand in the back, stand in the gap. Listen to Ezekiel 22 verse 13. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. How different would the words of God be in South Africa today? How many people would he find to stand in the gap for the nation? And this is for every single person that is living in this nation. Because the foreigners also like to complain, but there's plenty of things that are done by foreigners that cause massive problems. So as you sit in there, I want you to really begin to think about how much we need Jesus. Because what I'm telling you, to go and shoot your mouth off and, and do this and do that and go and kill someone or whatever you may do. Go put up a tweet. None of that's going to change anything. You're not going to change a thing. I want to tell you what's going to change a thing. In Romans chapter 10, verse 11 to 17, it says, As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's where we ended last week. Anyone who believes in Jesus will never be put to shame. That is the first message that needs to get out to South Africa today, that anyone who believes in Jesus will never be put to shame because so many people, over and above these other things that I've just spoken about now, are living in shame. And then verse 12 says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly, and richly blesses all who call on him. Now, I want you to understand what Paul's saying here to the Romans. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between black and white. There's no difference between colored and Indian. There's no difference between South African and foreigner. There's no difference between whoever you are. The same Lord blesses anyone who calls on him. The same Lord. The same Lord made that person who you hate. Maybe for a good reason, maybe they abused you. Maybe for a bad reason. Maybe for a pathetic reason. The same Lord made them. 
And then it says in verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So the Apostle Paul is talking here about the fact that you don't come to Jesus because He's going to make your life so nice. You come to Jesus because without Jesus, you're going to go into everlasting darkness or into the lake of fire eventually. You're going to have a terrible time for eternity if you don't come to Jesus. And you come to Jesus because at the end of the day, you're not going to make anything of your life without Him. Maybe you realize you need Him, maybe you don't. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is you need Him. And we have a message in the Bible, in the Gospels, the message about Jesus. We have a message that the world, the people of the world are desperate for. The people of the world are desperate for a message that gives them hope in a hopeless situation. And the message of faith is a message that protects people from ever being put to shame. Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter who you are. Salvation is available to us. Salvation is available to everyone. Salvation is available to the white, the, the, the Zulu, the Tlosa, the English, the Afrikaans, the Nigerian, the Congolese, the Sudanese, whoever, whatever is you want to come with. Salvation is available to them. And those who have faith, the Lord desires to enlist them in His army the army that goes out and shoots bullets of the gospel, which means you're telling people about Jesus, saying, hey, this guy died on the cross for you so that you never have to be put to shame, so that you can come into the throne room of God with boldness. And the army takes the message out that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at Romans 10, 13 again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you are alive, ask your neighbor, are you alive? No corpses here. Huh? No, one, no one's a corpse. No one's gone stiff from rigor mortis. No skeletons here. If you are alive, and if you open your heart up to Jesus, and if you repent, and if you get baptized, you are saved. You are saved. It's like... You are a human being. No, I, I identify as a dog. Haven't heard that one yet. I'm sure it's coming. I want to have sex with other dogs because I identify as a dog. I'm waiting for that one. Prophetic moment. It cometh. Sooneth. To a TV screen or Instagram screen or some other screen near you. But what I want you to realize, this is an incredible promise from Almighty God. This is a spectacular promise. That because of your faith in Jesus, you have a hope beyond the grave. 
you have a hope. When the coffin goes down and people are crying, hopefully there will be people crying for you at your funeral. But when people are crying for you at your funeral, as that coffin goes down, you will be living in hope. You will be living in the glory of the Lord. And it does not matter who you are or what you've done. Cleaning and cleansing is available to you. It's available to everyone, every single person, everywhere. And you can be free to have a relationship with God. You know that it, to, 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 to be in a position where you can have a relationship with God is only possible if you're truly free. You can pray to Him in the name of Jesus. And the Bible promises you that when you pray to Him in the name of Jesus, He hears you. Some of you don't believe that. That's why you don't pray. You don't believe that God hears you. He hears you. And then once you are saved, the Lord God, the Almighty, the Incredible One, the Magnificent One, He sets you apart to serve Him. And He sets you apart to serve Him because people can only accept the message they hear. Tell the person next to you, say, people can only accept the message they hear. Romans 10, 14 and 15. Listen, this, this is just some incredible stuff. Haven't you noticed the Bible is just incredible? You want to sound clever? Just quote the Bible. In fact, if you quote the Bible and you say stuff from the Bible and you leave out the verses, you know what I mean? You know, plagiarize. Plagiarize the Bible. People are going to say, yo. They say, yo, Nick. Whoa, look at, whoa, whoa. Meantime, it's Proverbs, you know, whatever. But this is what Romans 10, 14 and 15 says. How then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? So if you haven't believed in Jesus, how can you call on Him to save you? Imagine if you're there in the ocean and a, 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 a boat comes past. And if you don't believe that the oak that is standing there in that boat, holding out His hand for you to grab, to pull you out of that ocean, if you don't believe that guy exists, how can you call out on Him to save you? So a person can only call out on Jesus if they believe in Him. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard. So if you don't see that boat, maybe you're swimming and you're facing this way and the boat's behind you and you're deaf. You can't hear. You can't call out, ah! I wish there was a boat. Meantime, it's right behind you. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So who's the Someone. It's not going to be God Himself. He's mandated you. He's given that to you. And then it says, And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? For it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And people can only call on the name of Jesus if they believe in Him. People can only believe in Jesus if they've heard about Him. And they can only hear about Jesus if someone preaches to them. And people can only preach if they've been sent by the church. I mean, it's very difficult to understand. Doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, we've really got to figure out some logic there to figure out this one. That someone can't call on Jesus if he's never heard about Jesus. Why would that ever make sense? 
The Bible always makes sense. This is why training is so important. You know the life class. And if you haven't been on the life class to get on it, but if you've been on the life class to take someone on the life class, to do the devotions with them, to, to teach them how to connect with God themselves. This is, this is what God wants older believers to do with younger believers. And then to, to get onto destiny training, which enables you to be part of the Lord's army. It enables you to be part of the Lord's army, first of all, in terms of your personal relationship with Almighty God. Because you're not in His army if you don't have a relationship with Him. But also in your family. If you don't have your family, and if your family doesn't operate like the Bible says it should operate, you have nothing to offer the world. And in your ministry. It'll help you when you're sitting at work or wherever to tell someone about Jesus. To lead them to the Lord. And even in your secular job. Don't think that you can go and do your secular job because you're so wonderful. You can only do what you can do because of the gifts that God has given you. Without what God has given you, you have nothing. Everyone who preaches needs to be sent. And this is where I want to tell you there is protection in the authority of the church. No one in the Bible went out without being under authority in the church. If you find them, come show me. You'll teach me something because I haven't found them. So God wants you to be part of this army. And the thing that you need to realize about God's army is that God's army, the church, will win the battle. And this is what Jesus said. The church will win the battle. Now in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 38a, we read these words. All these were fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks. They came to Hebron, fully determined to make David king over all Israel. So we all know the story about King David. He starts out as a shepherd. He starts out looking after his father's sheep. And there's a king named King Saul. And one day the prophet Samuel comes to his house and pours oil all over him and says, I'm anointing you because you're going to be the king of Israel. God has rejected Saul as the king. His descendants will not be king. You will be king. David knew that our God is a God of perfect timing. So he did not preempt his ascension to power. He knew about timing. He knew when is the right time to act. He did not want to preempt the circumstances. There were at least two occasions where he had the opportunity to kill Saul. Saul was right there, fast asleep on two, no, one, sorry, once he's fast asleep, the other time he was on the toilet. He went into the cave where David was hiding and he's there doing his toilet business and both times David could have killed him. And in fact, the guys that were with him were angry that he didn't kill him. But David understood that God was the one who was going to remove Saul from his position. And David knew you do not raise your hand 
against the Lord's anointed. And while he waited for his moment to be crowned king, he decided to lead the troops who had come from every tribe to join him to, in order to be with him. He knew that this was no ordinary army. He knew that he had people in his army that were as brave as lions and others who were as swift and agile as a gazelle. While he watched his army, Amasai, the leader who was the leader of 30, approached him as if he were making a toast. And he said in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 18, We are yours, O David. We are with you, O son of Jesse. Success, success to you and success to those who help you for God will help you. And David thought about all of the difficulties he'd gone through up until this point because life had been tremendously difficult for someone who's supposedly been anointed to be king. And from the time that he was anointed, not too long after that, all hell broke loose in his life. And then we see in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 22, day after day men came to help David until he had a great army like the army of God. And I want to tell you, Christian, that is what God wants to do in your life. But you've got to go out and start telling people about Jesus first. You've got to be faithful. He, he wants to put a great army with you. And I'm telling you now, South Africa needs the great army of the church. Look, every nation does. But, but we know, we, we live here, we know. Listen, we, we need Him. We need Him. And there was one time when a journalist interviewed Abraham Lincoln during the American Civil War and it was a time after he'd suffered his greatest defeat and he said Mr. President aren't you tired of losing and Abraham Lincoln replied I haven't lost it's just that I've not yet achieved what I wanted and I want to say to you that God is saying that to you today in every area of your life you've only lost if you've quit You've only lost if you've given up. You've only lost if you've laid it down and said, I'm not going to pick it up again. If you haven't quit, then you haven't lost, you just haven't achieved what you wanted yet. A great example of this is found in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. For 30 years, listen to this, for 30 years he patiently waited for God's timing. And when it came time for his ministry, it only lasted three and a half years. Think about the ministry of Jesus. Three and a half years. 30 years to prepare for three and a half years of ministry. And yet in this time, Jesus changed all of history. He changed the, the entire history of mankind. And then the Bible says, now that you're saved, I want you to be like Jesus. This is what the Father says to you. We see it over and over again in the New Testament. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to have the same attitude of Jesus. I want you to do the things Jesus did. I, I want you to bring a message of hope to a lost and a dying world. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. Over and over and over and over it says that. But in order for that to happen, I've got to put myself aside. It can't be about me. It can't be about so-and-so who did such-and-such and now I'm upset with him. It can't be about the things I need. 
I've got to trust God for what I need. Because that's what Jesus did. He trusted the Father. He was led by the Spirit. And if things have not happened in your life how you planned them, don't give in to anxiety. Don't give in and fall apart because maybe God has reserved a greater blessing for you. Eventually, Abraham Lincoln won. Eventually, David became the king of Israel in God's timing. And remember, you need to wait patiently for the exact timing of God in your life. The exact timing of God. And remember a few weeks ago, we looked at God-given opportunities often come in the form of inconvenience. Often it's inconvenient to see the timing of God. And I'm going to ask you all to stand now. And we're going to say a declaration together. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. And I want you to say it with faith. And I want you to believe this for your life as we say it. Because in order to be an effective member of the army of God, we've got to believe in the timing of God. We've got to believe in the provision of God. We've got to believe that God will pay for that which He calls us, calls us to do. We've got to. Doesn't matter how life looks. Doesn't matter how things are going on. Doesn't matter who's maybe been a terrible person to you. Doesn't matter. Maybe you have the opportunity to, to stab someone in the back to, you know, to, to get the opportunity that you think God should have given you already. No, the thing is, when you trust God, you don't do that. Because when you do that, then what David realized, if he had killed Saul, he would have raised his hand against the Lord's anointed. And he would have sinned. And then what would have happened to him? Well, you can go and look later on in the story what happened to his son Absalom, who did raise his hand against his father. And who believed he had the right to be offended with his father. And he betrayed his father. And he ended up with his hair, because he had long flowing hair. He was like a fashionable guy. He was riding there with his horse. And he went under a bush and the hair caught in the bush. Like one of those horror movies. And the, the, the soldiers of David came and they found him hanging there. And then he's hanging there caught with his hair. Imagine being caught with your hair and you can't get out. And then one of the soldiers of David came and plunged the knife or a sword straight into him and killed him. Even though David didn't want him killed. David knew you don't touch the Lord's anointed. So we're going to make this declaration together about God's timing. God's timing shows us that we trust Him. We trust Him over, over what our circumstances look like. Amen. Are you ready to say this with faith? Let's say it together. Say, God placed a clock with perfect timing in my life. I want you to say it properly, not like a... Okay, let's say it properly. I mean, 
God placed a clock with perfect timing in my life. And He will not allow me to get ahead of myself. Or be anxious in anything. I want you to think about that. He will not allow me to get ahead of myself. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. We need some humility. We need some humility. Amen. But He also doesn't allow us to be anxious. So if we're humble, then anxiety goes. Whenever we're anxious, we know we're not humble. Tell person next to you, say, when I'm anxious, remind me that I'm not humble. Oh, we like saying that, eh? That's very nice. I was anxious yesterday. I was anxious. Was I going to get to check this before they closed? Amen. All right. Let's just say it once more. God placed a clock with perfect timing in my life. And He will not allow me to get ahead of myself. Or be anxious in anything. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to see Jesus. And I just want to say to you as you're standing here today. That Jesus died on the cross for you. He died for you. To set you free from sin and pain. In Romans chapter 10 verse 8 and 9 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to ask you where you stand with Jesus. Whether you're here at one of the sites or if you're watching at home. Where do you stand with Jesus? Please understand as you hear today that your eternal destiny is at stake. And I, I, you know, maybe you're thinking, Yo, yeah, my eternal destiny is at stake, but I'm struggling with this. If you're struggling, I want to encourage you now. Make the decision right now because the Lord is speaking to you. And you don't know if you'll ever have the opportunity to hear God speaking to you again. And He's saying to you, you need to come to His altar right now because the altar that He has sanctifies everything. And don't think you'll have a more effective prayer time later. Don't think that you'll have tomorrow or next week. Because the Lord's speaking to you today. And if you answer him, you're saying, Lord, this is my time. Lord, I want to come to you now. Lord, I recognize that I need you. I can't wait until later because I don't know if I'll make it. Lord, I want to commit to you right now because I do not want to live eternity far from you. I want to know that when death comes knocking at my door, that I'll be ready because I'll be living with you from this day on. And so when that day comes, I'll be ready because I'll know I'll be with you for eternity. I'll know that you'll walk through that door with me. Then maybe you're just um, thinking, you know what? 
I need to recommit to Jesus today. I've committed to him before, but I've lost a bit of connection with him. And so we're going to pray with people right now, but I want to invite you that if that is you and the Lord has been speaking to you, if you're feeling you need to either commit your life for the first time or recommit your life to Him, then they're going to sing a song now and I'm going to ask you while they're singing just to come forward and stand in the front here. And don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to do it. I really want to encourage you to come because the Lord wants to touch you today. If you're at one of the sites, please come forward at one of the sites. But as we sing this song, just come forward. just come forward if you had one of the sites just come forward i really want to encourage you to take that step to come forward and i'm going to ask you to to along with the rest of us just place your right hand on your heart right now i want you to close your eyes and just see jesus see jesus standing in front of you and remember that he died on the cross for you he died he died for you over two thousand years ago and the bible says that the same jesus who died for you two thousand years ago He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what Jesus did on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago stands forever, once and for all. And what the Lord is telling you now is that the blood that Jesus shed paid the price that will wash all your sins away. And when you've got sins, they burden you. And in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. And I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see that the debt of your sin is paid completely. That He's made you a brand new creation. That you are brand spanking you in Him. And anyone that's watching online, if, if you've been moved to give your heart, then I'm going to ask you just to send us an email to info at That's info at and tell us, I've given my life to Jesus, or I want to recommit my life to Jesus today. We'd love to get into contact with you, just in this regard. But we're going to pray together now. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to mean this prayer as we pray this prayer together. Amen. Let's just pray. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, 
I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin, that you'd set me free from any sickness and pain. I accept today that my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance because you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood, I am justified. And you see me as though I've never sinned. And that by your blood, I am sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you. And so today, I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for every single person that has come forward, either Yah or one of the other sons. I pray for those who have been ministered to online, that your hand would just be upon them, that your spirit would just flow over them right now, that your mercy would just flood them right now, that they would know the reality of who you are, that they would get the ultimate assurance of their salvation in you, that you just bless them with everything that you have. In Jesus' name, amen.
begin.